Thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the first half of our conversation um, regarding, you know, um, parenting and during well during this this pandemic. Here we continue the, that conversation and we dive a little deeper into how we um, not how we manage our kids, but how we are dealing with not just you know what's going on with the pandemic and the elections and things like that and how that's um, changing around us, but how we ourselves are changing as well and what steps are we taking to not only just be better fathers, um, but also be better role models, better leaders for um, not just our kids, but kids all around us. So I hope you guys enjoyed this this conversation and um, like always, let us know what you think. Enjoy. My thing is racism doesn't wait until your child is a certain age to affect them. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it does not wait. Racism isn't like, man, as soon as you turn 11, I'm going to get you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's not like that. So they're ex- the moment they take their first breath in this world, they're experiencing a world that was created and organized under the basis of race, under the basis of gender, under the basis of citizenship status. They've already been born into that world. I think it's our job to give them the tools to try to make sense of the world to try to change that world that they're already a part of. But like, I think we do our children a disservice when we choose to wait to have important conversations until we, because it's not about the child being ready, because the children can handle, listen, uh, Jimmy, perfect example. Like, your daughter is the best video game player that I've seen at her age. (laughs) And these are complex ideas to be able to know when to press the jump button to press the back to engage in strategy and to enact strategy on a digital gaming platform requires a great deal of intelligence and an intellect so conceptually the children are there it's whether or not we are comfortable in sitting down and having these conversations with our children that's really what it because we're the ones that are the that the, are the deciding factors not our kids our kids are ready i promise you they're ready and they and our kids can notice difference whether or not they're able to name it as racism they notice difference they notice that boys do certain things quote unquote and girls do certain things they're able to recognize differences in people and it's up to us i think andre easton's opinion to give them language, to give them tools to make sense of what already is and what could be and what should be. Mm. Right? To give them that compass, give them a blueprint. So what I what I would say to that would be um, just to throw back to any gaming question. Uh, she's good at those games now because for about the last year and a half, uh, yeah. we played together. And yep. it was that slow step of you got to jump over that. You got to j- jump on this mushroom. Uh, yep. You got to hit this D-pad right here. Yep. And it was her slowly learning all those things. You don't learn it overnight. Then no, she really be proud of you, but she Definitely learned not. it over time. Yep. So I think with, when it comes to teaching child racism, it's, it's that slow process and getting uh, all the basics in there and showing them why do I have to press the left button on the D-pad go backwards because to go back. you know, explain it to them as you're moving them along so that when they're at age when the time like you said the time is never there isn't a time for it but 
they may come across more of it as they get older. Um, they'll be a bit more understanding of it, and he may so here, understand how so to, let me, to live let me build, in it a bit better. Let me build on your analogy. Right? You never gave Lorelai a controller that was missing buttons. You gave her the controller with all the buttons on it. And when she was ready for the buttons, she was able to use them. But you didn't say, you don't. You have a controller that's missing the B button or the A button. You have all of the buttons. And you decide when you're ready to use them, when you've developed the skill to use them to make sense of them, then you're going to put those, those skills into practice. You get what I'm saying? So we're not saying different things, right? We're, we're, we're using the same, we're using different analogies, different entry points to, you know, express the same idea. You provide your child with the tools and allow them to, over time, as they develop, get more familiar with those tools and to put those tools into practice. That, that, and to me, that's my perspective on anything. We talk about drugs, we want to talk about racism, sexism, you know, bodily autonomy, any of those things. Give the kids the tools and let them decide when they're developmentally ready to, to get more practice with those tools. And then you guide them along the way. And you've done an excellent job of that, Jimmy. You know, I, got a, I got a question continuing that same flow because you're mentioning giving the kids, you know, the tools that they need obviously to, yep. to get better. But then how do we as parents, how do we trust the tools that we're getting? Right? How do we decipher good from the bad, from whether it's watching news to, you know, searching on the web or stuff like that, right? How do we decipher what's good from bad? And then on top of that, when we do decide what is good and bad, how do we then decipher the social media aspect of what's mm. good and bad? Mm. I think that's I think, um, a great, great question. Great segue. Awesome. Um, I think, I think um, starting on that, uh, it, it really comes down to our morals, right? Like, what, are, what do you think is, how should the world be is where I start. And even more more specific than that what world do my children deserve what kind of world do my children deserve that's the first question that i ask and i ask that question about my students i ask a question about my own um my biological children but like what world do they deserve what kinds of experiences do they deserve what kinds of opportunities do they deserve right and from that question those types of answers will allow me to decide what actions I need to take in order to create that world, in order to make that world a reality, right? So um, if I think that nobody should be discriminated against based on their color of their skin or their race, then I'm going to make decisions that are going to reinforce uh, the opportunities for that world to exist. I'm going to make those types of decisions. So that gives me my right or wrong, right? Because if I'm asking if something is fair or if it's not fair, then does it, how does it respond to that question? Like, does, does this situation create um, an experience that my child deserves to have? And if not, what can I do about that, right? So when I'm looking in social media, I'm asking questions. I'm asking those critical thinking questions. I'm asking who benefits from this type of media, who is hurt by this type of imagery, who is not being shown on the type of show that I'm watching or the type of commercials that I'm watching? What kind of images are we receiving and what do these images communicate to us about our value as black people, as people of color? 
what does this imagery communicate to me and my children about their value in our society? And then from there, I, you know, decide if I need to take action, change a channel, or maybe find another way of engaging with my child, then, you know, I, I make the decision based on that, right? So I start with what does my child deserve? What kind of world do they deserve? And then from there, I, um, I take the next, the next set of questions and, um, you know, I, I start putting it into practice. It's like a domino effect, a flow chart, rather. Mm. Jimmy? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of, uh, I really on on a lot of it. I mean, it comes down to what we're teaching the kids. So how do we know what's right from wrong? Uh, you guys are always hearing me say it, but it comes down to what our, our opinions are. We, when we're born, we're automatically learned from our parents, uh, which is the reason why a lot of people are a certain religion. A lot of people are born into a Christian family, they become Christians themselves, they're born into a Muslim family, they become Muslims themselves, because this is what was taught to them by their parents, and I was taught to them by their parents, and I was taught to them by their parents, and so on and so forth. Uh, I tried to control my daughter multiple choices. And as she picks one, says there's multiple doors and she'll pick door number one or door number two or door number three. I'll, I'll give her the reasoning behind each one of those doors. And she just kind of let her see what, for herself what path she's going to take on. And on, not, I'm not going to do this on everything. I do this on like, you know, big issues that help you develop a person's character. And I think when it comes to racism, it will be uh, the same thing. So if she now wants to get her information as something she saw on Facebook, I'd ask her where that information come from, and she'll tell me it came from A. Okay, so where did A get the information from? And then she'll say uh, B. Uh, there's B a reputable source. Uh, what about this um, this source right here? They're telling you the same situation with a different slant or opinion. Do you agree with it? And I, I try to leave it up to her to kind of move and see what she understands. But I think at the end of the day, it all is going to always go back to what she sees um, from my own personal experiences and what um, my wife's personal experiences are that help mold her. I'll, hopefully that explains it. I feel like I might have confused a couple of viewers on it. I'm very open-ended. I'm, I'm very, very open-ended um, with the, my teaching strategies, much to the annoyance of my wife, might I add. I, um, I kind of agree with, uh, with Andre and yourself on, on this topic. Um, I feel that uh, your morals will guide you on what's right and what's wrong. Um, for me personally, you know, I one of the things I've always believed in is um, that there's more good going on in the world than there is bad. So I tend to lead with that foot, you know. When I'm getting my information and stuff like that, I, I look at, you know, what's what's good from this, you know, what can I teach my son or my, or anybody from it that, um, or, or bad, right? Because if, if it's something that I'm reading, say, I don't know, um, 
a bombing in Baghdad or something like that, right? I always try to see the good out of that. Like, why did that happen? Did somebody um, cause that to happen? And then just show the good from there. So I, I kind of feel like it, what Andre said is based on your morals and your and what you said, Jimmy, your opinions, because realistically, we all have different opinions on, on different matters. And you, you said it right, Jimmy, the... You, you learn from your parents. So whatever my parents has taught me, I've learned something from them, which is ultimately going to just get passed down to from generation to generation, right? Because it's just kind of the way we, you know, like you said, I was born. My my parents are, are Catholic. You know, ultimately, I would at some point became Catholic. You know, so it's it's all it's all based on what uh, what your beliefs are. I don't know why Andre's muted. <laughs> Yo, Andre, you muted? Can you un- unmute? I don't know what's going on. I'm okay. Oh, All right. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, I, that's interesting, Jonathan. Uh, and uh, Jimmy, I agree. Like, you know, you get your morals from your parents, right? We, we're not born in a vacuum. Nobody exists in a vacuum. We are influenced by the people that raise us. Um, I think that, uh, that that's an interesting point about trying to see the good in things and like, you know, using the exa- example of a bombing in Baghdad. Um, I guess I kind of differ on that. Like, I think that it's important to like explain to kids, like, yo, sometimes... <laughs> It's messed up, you know? Like, sometimes things are really, really, really jacked up. And I'm using the PG version. Um, and I think they need to see us dealing with that. And they need to hear us wrestling with that. Because just in the same way that our children receive their morality and their morals from their parents, they also receive the strategies for dealing with difficult situations from their parents. So I think if they see us and they they, they observe us processing difficult situations, then it may give them a, a, a toolkit for when they're engaging in a situation that's difficult and isn't, isn't comfortable or isn't neat, right? Like, so for example, right? Like I mentioned Barack Obama earlier, right? I voted for him both times. Like I, 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 I think he was a great example in a lot of ways for what um, anybody should aspire towards, but particularly for, um, you know, black Americans or black kids, like to know that somebody, you know, was able to, you know, reach one of the highest offices in the land, that that's a good thing. But it's also important to acknowledge that, you know, people are complicated people, right? Like, you know, Barack Obama, he deported more people than any president before or since, right? Um, you know, he... Uh, engaged actively in the expansion of drone strikes, right? Speaking about bombing in like Baghdad, right? So when we see things like that, it, it, I think it's important for us kids to know that both things can be true, right? It, somebody can be really good, but also engage in problematic uh, behaviors. Something can be a very happy event, but also have you know, ne- negative consequences, right? We talk about holidays, right? What, what are, I think giving kids a balanced view of things and not just um, leaning towards the good or just the bad, but giving them a, a fair balance to understand that the world is a combination of um, really awesome things, but also really tragic things at the same time, right? So we, we, we live in that world and we try to tip the scales a little bit towards the good, but um, I think it's important for them to know that not everything is um, ideal, not everything is um, 
is uh, rosy in that sense, you know, because I don't want them to have, I don't want to have that moment that, you know, Santa Claus is, oh, I can't say that. Um, but one of those moments where they learned that mm-hmm. something that they believe was real, wasn't real or was was true, wasn't really true. Because then I feel like that's more devastating than for them to know that it's always been a mixture of really good and really kind of messed up, you know? You you actually just threw a, a great alley oop towards my next my next question. Um, you have mentioned you know th- that we should show their kids you know our reaction to to like the example like you read to the the bombing of Baghdad and yeah. to them and stuff like that, right? So how do we become better parents in our current situation, right? We got COVID that's going crazy. We got uh, the, you know, like I said, the, the media who tells us one thing, one channel says another. One moment, you know, we're worried about what's going on or what's going to happen with our own lives, right? And that sometimes we find ourselves scared because we don't know, like, the answers to anything, right? So how, how do we become better parents like that? How do we, what, what, what do we do? What steps do we take? Jimmy? I think oh, I was about to say I thought Jimmy had some technical uh, difficulties. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, I did. I, I tried to switch over. But um, to be honest, I I don't know. I the world is rapidly changing all the time. Um you're you're getting new problems all the time. It's all a balancing act and I I just try to balance it. For me I think it would be showing my child how to balance the world. Because it's going to constantly keep changing. I would love to give a more brighter stance on it. I'm probably one of the more uh, darker access when it comes to hope in the group. But I just, for me, it's just showing well, how to The good thing is that this is not a podcast of just Jimmy. So you have the freedom and you have you have the permission and I encourage you to speak how you feel if that comes off as dark that's important because you're not the only person that feels that way mm. and other people might feel that way that's listening to this right now and they need to be seen they need to be heard and they need to be acknowledged so I think that is good for you to do that but honestly you may not realize it but I believe you answered the question perfectly in the first two words or the first three words and you said to be honest. And I think that is the answer to Jonathan's question. That is the answer that I will propose. Right? How do we become better parents? Start by being honest. Just be honest. Say how you're feeling. Express how you're feeling. Express why you're feeling how you're feeling. And that gives your child the building blocks to do the same when they're feeling frustrated, when they're feeling confused or scared or lost. Just name those things, right? I'm feeling this because I'm feeling uh, unsure because I'm feeling scared because and and using that language and, and, and doing those steps is arming your child with the tools because even if because we're not supposed to have the answers right and one of the things that parenting has taught me is that your parents aren't perfect my parents were not perfect they were far from it i think i'm far from perfect as well but expecting your parents or anyone to be perfect or without flaw i think is unreasonable and, and unfair and i think what our children deserve instead is to be able to see their parents as humans as flawed people that are trying on a daily basis to improve, to grow, and to be better versions of the person that they were the day before. 
I think we owe our children that, and they need to be included in the process, right? We, I don't want my child to look at me as a, a prepackaged, ready-to-go parent. I want them to understand that I'm growing alongside them. I'm making mistakes alongside them, and I have the same doubts, fears, and insecurities. It may be about different things, but I still need shelter. I still need love. I still need compassion. I still need mentorship. I need all of the things that every human, every child has ever needed. I still need those things, and that's okay. That makes me human, and you're human because you need those things. And when we start trying to hide those things as part of our process of coming into adulthood, I feel like we do children more harm than good. When we don't show them, we're not explicit about how we got to step C, right? We didn't get, we didn't start out on step C. We had to go through A and B, and making the steps A and B explicit gives them that comfort and that freedom to know that they they don't have to be perfect right now. They don't have to be fully formed right now, that there's opportunity for them to grow, for them to learn, for them to make mistakes, and to be better versions of themselves that they were the day before. And also, growth is not linear. That's one thing that I, I always want to stress, is that you may, you may average 10 points on Monday and then average three on Tuesday, but then on Wednesday, you might average 15, right? So it's, it's not a linear process. It, it, it has ups and downs and there's jagged parts, and there's parts where you're going to experience despair. And that's part of being a human being. And when our children see us engaging in that, and it, that gives them a model that they can follow when they grow up or when they're on their own, when they're in college, when they're by themselves, they're going to reflect on what they saw their parents doing when they encounter difficult situations. So be honest. Say what you're feeling. Explain why. And talk about what you can do about those feelings with your kids and allow them to internalize that same process. I experienced something. I named that experience. And then I think about what I can do about this feeling now that I have a name for it. That's my answer to the question. That was super deep. You actually changed my mind a little bit, man, because I didn't think about that, like the whole being honest part. I, um, quite frankly, you know, how do I become a better parent is at least what I was going to answer was, you know, being in the being present and in those moments, you know, um, I'll give a perfect example. Like I come home, you know, from a hard day at work, stressed out for something that happened. And when I get home, you know, I look at my wife and look at my son and automatically I'm just like, oh, shoot, you know, like all of that kind of went to the back of the mind. Now, right. Exactly. So now I'm here, you know, I'm enjoying this time with you guys. I'm happy, you know, and uh, that kind of helps me become a better, better parent. But as I'm mentioning all this stuff, right, the one thing that that comes to my mind about becoming a better parent is um, seeing a therapist help me has helped me become more of a, a better parent because um, I'm able to have conversations with a random person who, quite frankly, you know, I don't know them from a hole in the wall, but I am in a comfortable space where I can bring up like my past and realize my wrongs or the wrongs of my past so that I don't project those to my kid. So that's how, that's how, that's my answer. I think uh, a, a mixture of what you're saying and 
seeing a therapist to you know just unpack those demons in your closet from your past oh <laughs> do you talk to your kids about therapy your son about therapy um at the moment I don't but I do plan on it yes yeah do you think it would be important to do so hundred uh, percent. You know, yeah. therapy has a has a has a bad like stigma to it, right? But now, but yeah. as I actually gave it a shot and been doing it, um, you know, I haven't gone to see my therapist because obviously, you know, COVID and stuff like that. But um, you know, when I started it, it was. I, I don't want to say like I, saying that it's life changing is kind of a cliche. Yeah. Um. But it's, you know, it, it was a really good moment because, like I said, I, I'm able to just be in a room with someone who, you know, doesn't judge you and you're able to say, you know, the bad shit that you've done or, um, you know, uh, like one of the conversations I've had uh, with my therapist was like my upbringing and how, you know, my parents, even though I had lived with both of them, you know, the affection of love was never really given to my not only just myself but all three you know my, my brother and my sister yeah and um, that's something that obviously I don't want my son to like I want my son to know what what love is and to define be able to define it and know um, wholeheartedly with pure conviction of what love is and how you know when when he's with his friends or a girlfriend he can say uh yeah now what you're doing that's not love but what you're doing yeah i, I get that i'm with you on that you know that's that's what love is so therapy definitely helps that I love that answer. And uh, Leo's very fortunate to have you as a dad who's someone who's committed to their own personal growth and, you know, not not willing to let themselves stagnate or to remain, you know, cursed by their own past and their own mm-hmm. generational, right? Because, you know, the things that we try to heal in ourselves are often things that happen to us in childhood. You know, they, they call them ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. Um, and uh, those things can really change the way we form relationships with each other and with ourselves. Um, so I think that you're you're definitely on the right track in in, um, in engaging in that. But you know, I would just I would just push to the next level to say you know make that open. Like don't keep that a secret. Like don't let don't let your healing happen in secret. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we broadcast our victories, but like I think we should broadcast our healing as well because it, it just humanizes the world a bit more. It makes people have more images because I feel like, you know, the idea of therapy, like you mentioned earlier, has been very stigmatized, right? A lot of people look at it like, oh, you crazy. You got to be crazy to go to a therapist. But like, keep it a stack. Like, you got to be crazy not to go to a therapist because for you to believe that you could survive all of the things that you've been through, and and I say that for everybody, not even just like, you know, regardless of race, everybody's gone through some hardships in their life. And for you to think that you've gone through those hardships without adapting any type of, or adopting any type of, um, you know, negative responses to that, you know, is, is, is ludicrous and it's, it's unrealistic. So, you know, I think we got to flip that square, particularly as men, particularly as fathers, you know, as black men, we, we have to, you know, make it, make it okay. Um, you know, in this hyper-masculine world for us to, to be sad, to, to, cry to go to somebody to have to get help and to not have all the answers. I think that's a big thing with, with me 
because I don't have all the answers, and I, I don't want you to think that I do have all the answers. Because I want you to, sh- I want you to join me when I'm searching for those answers. You get what I'm saying? I want you to right. be side by side with me when I'm trying to figure it out because I don't have it figured out. Word, I pre- that, that, that's definitely the truth. Um, to kind of end end the uh, the episode today, uh, what let's talk about the intentions of the week. Which you guys, first of all, did you guys um actually you know make? I'm not gonna say you wholeheartedly you know went 100 percent into the intentions of last week, but were you able to at least touch on some of that stuff that we mentioned um, on those intentions? Um. I mean, for the, I think. No, no, no. I've, I've been doing a lot of talking. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> I would say, um, I, I, what we spoke about last week in terms of intentions, I try to live those every single day. So it wasn't so much uh, I need to strive for this week. It was more of a I need to continue to strive for it mm. on a daily basis. Um, for me, uh, yeah, just you know, as an educator, watching the news and seeing the you know the note the news of the the recent uh, closing, and then now we're going to be opening back up. Like, just trying to keep myself balanced in the middle of it, and knowing that I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing the best that I can, regardless of what the outside circumstances are. Um, I think that's um, that's really what I'm going to continue leaning on, is just knowing that in any situation, I'm doing the best that I can. I'm operating at the best of my ability in that moment. And my best today may not be my best tomorrow, but I'm, I'm putting my best foot forward in everything that I do. And um, I'm not going to get swallowed up in the chaos or the craziness that's trying to be, that's being forced on me, right? Like, oh, they, 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 there's there's value in, there's profitability in chaos, I'll say that, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I refuse to allow myself to be um, swept up in that because I, again, I, I'm still thinking about what my children deserve. And one of the things they deserve is a level-headed parent. They deserve two level-headed parents, right? And we gotta, I, I gotta model what, what I think should exist. And I can't ask anybody to do something that I'm not doing myself. Mm. So that's that's kind of what I'm leaning on. You know, I just I gotta I gotta be present. I gotta be um, mindful to not get wrapped up in all of the crazy that's happening. But I think, particularly for this week, what I want to focus on is um, I want to ask myself, what is the labor that my wife is doing? What are the things that she's carrying that I'm not aware of? What are the jobs that she's doing that I don't even think about? It just happened automatically in my mind. And how can I balance that a bit more? How can I be a better partner to my wife um, by examining the things that she does that nobody asks her to do and figure out what I can do to help lift some of that? Mm. I think for me... um what my intentions of last week was to just be present and that's kind of like what Jimmy's saying for me I think this is just an ongoing thing to kind of do it day by day um, which I did I think I did a pretty good job this week especially you know since I had a, a long weekend I was off you know uh, Thursday, Friday Saturday and Sunday so I did a lot of that you know my wife and I were building uh, not building but we're um, redoing the floors in my son's room 
Um, we're putting some, some new like laminate flooring and stuff like that down. So we started that project. And that was pretty fun, you know, because it was my wife's... It, though we were doing separate tasks, we were there like together, you know, knocking it out. Um, so it was pretty, so that was pretty good. But um, I think one of my intentions for this week moving forward um, is to... to it's, uh, it aligns a little bit more with what you're saying, Andre. I, um, you know, we as partners, we kind of, I don't know if this was, you know, growing up, we set these intentions or somebody else, you know, brought this into our minds and whatnot. But we've always had like, you know, a set of chores. You do these, I do that. Yeah, yeah. And um, I kind of remember when she was working and I wasn't, that I was doing all of the chores and she kind of, you know, didn't. And now kind of sort of the tables are a little bit turned, you know, especially during like, you know, uh, the pandemic or stuff like that, where I was working, she was staying home, even though now she was working, she still has off a little bit. But um, it seems like at certain points, because of me being so tired at work and coming home, like not physically, but more mentally drained, I became really lazy and, you know, see, kind of watching her do damn near everything. And I stuck to like my chores. So I kind of want to start, you know, um, really paying attention to, all right, you know what, maybe she shouldn't do that. Let me take care of that for her. Let her go relax a little bit. And then even though I'm mentally stressed or mentally drained, I can still, you know, pick up a little bit of load and not let you take it all on your own. Can I add something? Yeah. Um, so instead of calling yourself lazy because you're not, um, just think about you, you, you've been worn. You've been worn down, right? So I think that might be a better better way of uh, phrasing it because, you know, the way we talk about ourselves is important. You mm-hmm. know, again, another, another way that our children learn about themselves is when they hear us talk about ourselves, you know? So instead of, you know, looking at yourself as being lazy because you're not helping out in the way that you should, just, you know, you're, you're, you're wary, you know? And right. what, you, what you can do is maybe set a, set a time limit. Say, listen, man, I just got in. I need like 30 minutes to just decompress and then I'm going to hop in and I'm going to do this. And you could have those conversations with your wife as well. Ask her, you know, what would you think, what would you like me to help you do? And, you know, that, that could also be tricky in a sense too because when you're asking them to tell you, it's like they're doing labor, right? Like you're asking them to also be the foreman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it could be a good entryway because now she knows that you at least acknowledge that you're you're not where you want to be, and then there's a great opportunity to correct that. And you're 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 you know taking that initiative, and um you know being the husband that you you want to be, being the, the co-parent that you that you see yourself as truly being. Right. So I, I would you know I would I would you know encourage you to practice a bit more compassion with yourself and know that you're working very hard and you're not lazy. You're 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 being worn down by the demands of your job and parenting you know and existing um through multiple um pandemics right like the pandemic of racism has never stopped and you know we're adding you know coronavirus to that as well so you're not lazy you just you're getting your butt kicked by a lot of different forces yo dre man you be you be dropping some jewels man I gotta start taking I, notes, man. <laughs> I, try to, I try to be of service in any anything that I do. I try to be of service. I hear you, man. I hear you. I definitely appreciate it. All right, gentlemen. Well, that wraps us up. Um, 
to the listeners, you know, stay tuned to our next week's episode. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Um, and like last week, man, we're, just, we're curious to know what your guys' intentions are. So please leave us a comment down below cause so uh, we can engage with you guys. And, you know, like what Dre does, maybe we could drop some gems on what your intentions are.